0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights.
2: Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about curious conversations and sinister ceremonies. I'm your host of the evening, Nick Goroff. Standing in for our dear friend, Steve Taylor, and tonight, I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Blake Blizzard and N.M. Brown, our voice talents, Creepyface, Jesse Cornett, Melissa Medina, and me, Nick Goroff. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by Blake Blizzard and is performed by Jesse Cornett, Gwent Viscop, and Creepyface. In it we'll witness a not-so-normal conversation between two strangers at a bar overheard by an innocent bystander, much to his regret. And without further ado, I present to you A Curious Conversation at the Coral Corral.
3: Two guys walk into a bar. Stop me if you've heard this one. What follows is my best effort to describe the strangest event in my life. I'm still not sure if I'm safe. Hell, I'm still not sure what just happened at all. The only thing I can do to make sense of this is to put pen to paper or fingertip to keyboard. Hopefully this story will get out there whether I'm still here or not after this. The thing is I'm not even involved in this. At least not as a main character. I'm just a regular guy who stopped into my local bar for a drink and pizza. Half off on Tuesdays. After higher stress than normal at work, I decided to treat myself to a drink. Or two. I don't normally do so on a work night, but the day had called for one. Or two. After perusing the drink menu, I decided to keep it simple. Too many choices these days, too many speciality cocktails. As I've gotten older, it seems every small-time restaurant and corner bar has turned into a speakeasy mixology joint like you'd expect to find in New York, L.A., or some hipster bar in Portland, Austin. Does anyone use the term hipster anymore? I guess that's how I still see these types of places. The places where bartenders wear suspenders and have insanely manicured handlebar mustaches. The places where everything, all of a sudden, is covered with wood. The bar made of one log piece of a shell-shacked maple log. Tall beer and a shot, please. I said to my server, closing the drink special menu. The woman taking my order gave no visible reaction and plainly asked what kind of beer and what kind of shot. Again, trying to be simple so I could get my imbibing on as soon as possible, I just asked for a Coors and jacked in. I don't even like either to be honest it was the first two brands that came to mind a short while later my drinks had arrived i quickly took down the jd wincing and followed that with a generous gulp of my beer when i put the 24 ounce glass back down on the table i saw him i don't think he was just there a moment ago i had taken a table just off the bar maybe five or so feet away There was something oddly captivating about this gentleman. I would come to understand why throughout the night. Part 1. The Introduction The man looked to be around his mid-twenties to early thirties, all black, not one gray or off-black strand of hair. He had dark eyes, not impossibly dark, but dark. He had a pencil-thin mustache. Not pencil-thin, maybe double pencil-thin. He kept a slight smile while enjoying his drinks. Yes, he had two small drinks in front of him. One is a familiar-looking brown liquid with one perfect ice cube taking residence. A straight-up whiskey or rum, perhaps. The other was more alien. It was an off-putting gray. With strands of red... At this point, I quickly snapped my gaze back to my own beer. I didn't want to risk him seeing me eyeing his sci-fi drink. After another sip of my standard domestic, I did that fake neck stretch thing so I could sneak a peek at the gentleman again. He wasn't paying attention, thankfully. Yep. Grey drink with red streaks. Pretty peculiar. Peculiar. Even though his hair was impeccable, and his eyes were dark, there was a kindness to them. Like he was more content in life than I could ever hope to be. As he eyed his drinks, I saw something behind that kindness. Some type of brimming darkness. I can't quite place it. I don't know if I've seen it before, but if I did, I think I'd remember because this was fascinating. As he kept that impossible half-smile on his puss, there was a feeling that, at any moment, he could transform into one of those piranha plants from Super Mario Bros and eat your face off. I humorously envisioned rows of sharp teeth developing from his mouth, overcoming his entire head and growing leaves and vines like the Mario mob. Okay, I thought. Mind your business and enjoy your rare night out.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com that's A-N-G-I dot com.
3: So, I did, or tried to. I really enjoyed my Colorado Kool-Aid and it was enjoying me. That sounded lewder than I intended. I felt the familiar warmth that I used to be all too connected within my younger years. I found myself scanning the dozen or so TVs above the bar. Top NFL draft prospects, spring training baseball game, soccer, a TV dedicated to keno numbers. A regular cable channel was playing one of those paranormal ghost hunters shows. Guess they have that on for the non-sports people here. As I looked around, I noticed a diverse group of patrons. Families, old, young, dates. It was nice to see. The name of this establishment is called the Coral, like, Sea Coral. Do I live near the sea? No. I do live on the water, but it's fresh. I think the founder of this place named it after his surname. It has been around for over 100 years, back in the frontier days. It would probably be considered a corral, where farmers, cowboys, and most of the town would meet for various reasons. The names Coral and corral had paired up somewhere along the line and since it is by water, the sea coral aesthetic stuck out for whatever weird reason. There are ocean themed decorations everywhere, including actual coral. The logo is a big ol' marlin welcoming its guests when you walk through the front door. None of it makes sense, but no one here cares. It's been a mainstay of this little town for a long time. Let's meet at the Coral Corral, has been a trademarked phrase on a Friday night. Here you are, sir. Oh, thank you, I said. My pizza had arrived. Pizza from a seafood place. Well, not really a seafood place. I just explained all that, didn't I? As I was going to tear my first slice apart from the piping hot round. I heard an interesting exchange coming from the Piranha Gentleman's bar corner. Hey, is uh,
1: anyone sitting here?
3: I swallowed my first bite of pizza in record time.
1: I looked toward the gentleman. He spoke. No. No, there isn't. Thank you so much for asking.
3: He looked at the patron with a closed smile. Exuding happiness and being thankful that the other man had politely asked him if he could take the seat next to him. There were a few seats open at the bar. I assumed he was asking if the gentleman had another person coming, or if the other man wanted to make sure it was okay if he took a couple of seats, or... Something changed when I saw his face this time. When he thanked his new guest and watched him take a seat, a determination was in his eyes. I said, in the beginning. I would do my best to describe this event, and I intend to keep myself to that. I will also try to stay out of the way of the following conversation as much as I can. Of course, I will have to interject when I feel necessary. You would too, if you witnessed this." The man wearing a blue Adidas tracksuit with matching blue beanie sat down. Hey, uh, is
1: anyone sitting here?
3: The gentleman smiled at the man asking. No.
1: No, there isn't. He softly spoke. Thank you so, so much for asking. Thanks, man. I just wanted to catch some of the highlights from the tournament. Uh, Are you sure it's cool? You don't have anyone sitting here. Sure don't, Rand. The seat's all yours. Name's Hudson. Now I have a name
3: for the gentleman. I couldn't make up a better name for this guy blue tracksuit said cool i appreciate it i never did catch his name now that i think of it after blue tracksuit ordered a drink hudson took a sip of his brown drink followed by a sip of whatever gray concoction he had hey man i
1: like your suit brother you look sharp
3: blue tracksuit said hudson was indeed wearing a nice looking black pinstripe suit and matching pants he also wasn't wearing a tie Instead, opting for a v-neck red t-shirt, complemented by expensive-looking black loafers with no socks. Odd look these days, but it worked for him. Just here for the highlights? Hudson asked, swirling his normal drink.
1: Uh, Yep, just stopping in after work before I see the wifey and kids, you know?
3: Blue tracksuit took a slug from his beer. I
1: hear that.
3: Hudson said, sounding somewhat robotic, with a big smile. I was now completely invested in this conversation between two completely unknown strangers. They continued to make small talk. Where are you from? What are your kids' names? Etc. The music and general chatter drowned out most words, as with most bars. I started to get lost in my attempt to hang on to every word. Didn't seem like this would be as deep as I imagined. Kind of relieved, honestly. For a moment, I thought something otherworldly was going on. I can now go back to finishing my third slice of pizza and take the rest home for another time. The uninterested server came back to see if I'd like another drink. I think one shot and a beer would be more than enough for this impromptu solo night out. No, thank you. I think I'll just take the... What's one of your deepest desires? I heard Hudson ask his guest. Um, yeah, I'll take another round, please. I said to my server, not taking my eyes off of Hudson. Part 2 The Question Blue tracksuit was in the middle of raising his glass for another drink, almost dropping it, when he heard Hudson's deeply personal question. Deepest desire? He said, his eyes widened then looking toward the top of his skull like he was searching for his brain to help with an answer.
1: Well, to be happy is one of the easy answers. You're not happy? Hudson asked with a
3: concerned look on his impossibly smooth-skinned face. Blue tracksuit and Hudson continued the conversation about what does and doesn't make an average person happy. It made me think of how I'd answer that question. I'm a pretty fulfilled person. I've had a great career, great marriage, Produced a couple of amazing little people. Palm trees are what would make me happy right now, I thought. That easy west coast living symbol has always enthralled me. I don't have any here, where I live. I've only seen them during my academy days. And that was quite a long time ago. I never could explain why I loved them so. Maybe some guy in California has the same thoughts about snow-covered white pines which only grow in my area. Blue Tracksuit finished his drink
1: and ordered another. Happiness is something you have to work for, Hudson. It's not as easy as I thought it would be. My mom never did tell me how to get it.
3: Hudson warmly smiled, taking a sip of his gray drink. The drink never seemed to change levels, and I never saw him order another one.
1: You're an intelligent man. A real man knows that being happy... Is something that doesn't just happen. You have to work for it. So now then, if you know what you desire, what is one of your biggest fears?
3: This seemingly drunk conversation between two strangers gets more intense. I don't know much, but I know inebriated people very well. And this guy Hudson was not drunk. Not at all blue tracksuit again puts his eyes to the sky searching his mind for an appropriate answer as luck would have it a live band started blasting out some 90s or 2000s cover songs i can't place it right now sounds like a pop punk band like blink 182 or green day i didn't get to hear the answer that blue tracksuit most likely meticulously produced I naturally want to answer this one for myself as well. I don't have many fears, honestly. I have been in more life-threatening situations than I can count on one hand in my career. I don't work as a hitman, or killing high-value targets or tasked test with containing and or eradicating entities the government would rather keep silent. I have taken part in some top-secret clearance missions that I'd rather not discuss. Not until they are declassified. I'm here at this bar tonight because I had a particularly bad day at the office. I haven't had one of these days for a while. I'm okay. My family is okay. But I have seen again how bad things can be in the real world. I most fear losing all my loved ones to natural causes, accidents, or more horrific outcomes. I swing my attention again to Hudson and Bluetraxia's convo. Hudson seems jubilant, albeit understated. Blue tracksuit seems
1: intrinsic. You've been a good friend here today. Where did you say your family is again tonight? They're um home, man, like I said. Blue tracksuit looks confused. Sure,
3: that's right. Hudson winks at him. Something darker has come into Hudson at that
1: wink you would like to do more for your family wouldn't you you're not a bad guy just caught up in some bad situations it's not too late Mm, i i don't know what you mean man but i'm not a bad guy you didn't even know me in fact i think i gotta get home anyway you have a good night
3: blue tracksuit's instant irritation seems only to fuel Hudson. He's not phased at all. I've seen this in many interviews with clinically diagnosed sociopaths and people with borderline personality disorder. I'm on my third round of Coors Tallboys and Jack Daniel
1: backs. Have a good night, friend. It was a pleasure sharing this night with you. Hope you found what you're looking for. Hudson whispers,
3: sipping that
1: awful Gray ooze.
3: Blue tracksuit, now standing, shakes his head and throws a couple of $20 notes on the bar. He doesn't even want to wait for his bill. Before you go,
1: Hudson says, can I buy you one more drink? You know, as a peace offering.
3: Blue tracksuit took his beanie off, smoothing his brown hair back. It looked like this was one of his de-stressing mannerisms.
1: Okay, man. I'm sorry. You just pushed a little deep.
3: Hudson smiled his usual welcoming smile. He tilted his head toward the seat previously occupied by Blue Tracksuit. He obliged. Hudson used his right thumb and index finger to stroke his immaculate mustache. Two shots were slid to him by the bartender. I fully expected them to be of that gray and red atrocity that Hudson was sipping on all night but they were both clear. Mm, What is this? Blue tracksuit asked. Just a thank you. Hudson replied. Blue tracksuit didn't seem to put more thought into it. Downed the shot, said his goodbye, and left. Part 3 The Unexplained It took a few moments to process what had gone down that night. I'm a logical person, Dealing in real life at its most, real. When I can't explain something, I find a way to explain it. This one felt like something I'd have to chalk up to, the beer and whiskey. I boxed up my remaining half-off pizza and finished up my third or fourth beer. Hudson seemed to be leaving as well. He watched the ending of one of the sporting events above him. Never have I seen a more content human, if he was human. He took a deep breath, placed an ungodly stack of money on the bar, and stood. As he left, we met eyes, just for a moment. That moment could have lasted for a second, or an eternity. Feelings of enlightenment, danger, hope, and despair filled me. Would you like to order any food, sir? what? I snapped at my server. They took a shocking step backward. I felt like I had just woke up from a deep sleep. The nap you take that was so hard you thought it was the next day and were late for school, but you're almost 35 and haven't been in school for almost 18 years. Sorry, I, uh, I had something on my mind. I looked at my table. I barely started my first drink. The glass was still frosty, what the hell happened to me? I must have had a more stressful day than I thought. The palm trees outside soothed me. I always loved palm trees. They always calm me down. Wait. My pocket vibrated. I haven't gone a day in my life without checking my phone for less than ten minutes at a time since I got one. I don't remember the last time I looked at it today. What the hell? 37 voicemails, over 100 missed text messages, multiple missed social media DMs. Something terrible has happened.
2: I hope you enjoyed a curious conversation at the Coral Corral as written by Blake Blizzard and voiced by Jesse Cornett, Quint Viscop, and Creepy Face. Creepy Face's performances can be found right here on our very own network, as well as on his YouTube channel, called by the same name. And if you enjoyed Mr. Cornett's performances, you can hear more of him on the Chilling Tales YouTube channel, as well as on the No Sleep podcast, where you can hear his vocal performances, as well as production. Our second tale of the evening is written by N.M. Brown and performed by Melissa Medina and Nick Goroff. Put on your Sunday best, folks, because we have a memorial to attend. Without further ado, I present to you Like Shooting Stars of Death.
4: We gathered around the backyard, hopefully for the last time. Phantom nightmares lurked around every corner. A dusty tire swing dangled from a fraying rope held in place by a rotted tree trunk. I remember our mother buying it for us the day after our dad held my head underwater after I argued about taking a bath. Good cop, bad cop was one thing, but my parents took that shit to another level of mental whiplash entirely. We had thought that we were protecting her, protecting our children. It wasn't so much what we did, more of what we didn't do. We didn't make sure he had his medication before we brought him out, and we certainly didn't mention him taking it. We didn't jump to action when his heart began failing, and we definitely didn't call for medical attention. Not until it was too late, anyway. My brother Billy broke the silence. Well... He looked at our mother.
2: Did you get what you needed?
4: Mama pasted a grin on her sorrow-worn face as she placed the box on the grass in front of her. Well, here he is, kids. We're all together once again. The why he chose this, I'll never know. We never gave a rat's asshole about the holiday before. I cleared my throat. <clears> throat> Daddy really said he wanted his ashes to be made into fireworks? Billy was the next to speak, aggression sending spittle spraying through his teeth.
2: Of course it's what he wanted. Why would you wait until after it's done to ask questions? Little mellow Mary. Always stirring up shit.
4: Come on, it's the 4th of July. We gotta get this over with. The whole thing creeps me out, I admitted. Mama looked me over for a moment. Mary. Just be lucky he didn't want to be made into a diamond or planted in the soil like a tree," she snapped. Then we'd have a piece of him looming around forever. This was the cheapest and fleshiest option. A perfect fit for your father. I cringed. After all we'd done to get even in the end, it still just didn't seem right to insult the dead. As sentimental as this memorial send-off is, I have no desire to drag it out. My mind went utterly blank as I struggled to take a moment to summon one good memory of him, if only for something positive to say. But there was nothing. Billy once again interrupted my thoughts.
2: Yeah, Ma, not to be rude, but it's getting hotter by the second out here. I'm sweating my balls off.
4: Billy, Mother snapped. What an image to give your mother at an event like this. Where is your decorum? Mama... He said.
2: After what we've done, I think I've earned the right to speak my mind. And don't get me started on imagery. Not after we all caused our father's last breaths.
4: He lit the first fuse as Mother's head dropped in shame and ran from the sparked wick like he did when we were kids. Blossoms of colors shot into the sky. Beautiful hues of purples, greens and blues. We looked up, casually, smoking our cigarettes and sipping our beers under the kaleidoscope of color. It didn't take long before we had burned through most of them.
2: It's time. Only one firework left.
4: This one looked different from the others. It was double the size and came in bright red packaging. That must be him, Mother commented warily. We were all thinking it, but for some reason, it seemed proper to let her be the one to articulate it. She looked at my brother solemnly. Just remember, William. I did all this to protect you. And Mary, too. Yeah, but why now? I exploded. Why couldn't you have saved us while we were kids? I mean, the damage is done now, Mother. We moved out years ago. You just didn't want to have to be the one alone with him, now that we weren't there to beat on anymore. Oh, <laughs> well, Fuck. With all this talk, you'd think I was the one you wanted dead. Give me the lighter, Mary. Mother snapped. The three of us stood together as she lit the final fuse, jumping back in surprise at the blindingly bright lights that danced from the wick. A very happy Independence Day, kids, for all of us. She lifted her cup before taking a long sip of the last youngling. I jumped back as flashes of red surrounded the sky, We watched the embers of colored flame drift down to the ground we stood on. But unlike the others, they didn't dissipate before they hit the ground. Torrents of fireballs shot down from the roaring firework, burning our skin and clothing like shooting stars of death. Spots of sunlight spread out through the top of the tent roof like bleach stains as pieces burned away. I winced as a piece of burning plastic fell on my shoulder and stuck there, melding to my skin. My mother's hair and blouse raised her face and torso. Fire robbed the breath from her lungs faster than she could feel it. My brother Billy burned along with her as he rushed to her side. Mary, help us! He pleaded. Unfortunately, fear had rooted me to the spot. Human flesh? burns just like any meat would, after the hair singes away, of course. But the fat makes me sick to think about. A searing hot pain radiated through my back just before total blackness took over. I survived, blessed enough to be the only one standing under a protected structure. The burns are something I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. Paramedics found a note fastened to the bottom of the spent firework canister, surprisingly unaffected by the hailstorm of blaze. You took my life from me silently. Let me take yours with a bang. See you in hell, Dad.
2: I hope you enjoyed Like Shooting Stars of Death, as written by N.M. Brown and performed by Melissa Medina and me, Nick Goroff. Author and our very own COO, N.M. Brown's work, can be found throughout our YouTube channel and podcast episodes, as well as on her author profile with us at creepypastastories.com. Just search for Brown in the search bar, that's B-R-O-W-N, to find more of her terrifying tales and ways to follow her on social media. Voice actor and 2016 Evil Idol champion, yours truly, Nick Goroff, can be found on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary podcast. You can also join me on my YouTube channel, To Be Not To Be. That's number two, letter B, letter R. Number zero, number two, letter B. As a reminder, voice actress Melissa Medina's work can be found on the official Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as at her website, hearmelissa.com. That's h-e-a-r-m-e-l-i-s-s-a.com. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close, but before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I've been your host, Nick Goroff, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams.
1: Chilling Tales for Dark Nights.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs